Hey there. Some time ago, I was scrolling through socials and noticed a really incredible company that had made a story about someone I follow. And their stories are made in films. And, and I just was absolutely taken by the mission of this company, Sustainable Human. So I got in touch and I invited the members of this company, which are a husband and wife team, to participate in this podcast. And what I loved about connecting with Dawn Agnos, our guest this week, is that she was so unexpectedly wise and her experience is so unusual and her sensitivity is really marked the way that she lives in this world and the work that she has done with some really incredible people throughout her life is absolutely inspiring. So I'm excited to present to you this week my interview with Dawn Agnos from Sustainable Human. Well, hey there, mother lovers. This is Elena Turley, your host, and welcome to the Unboxable podcast, a place for mothers who are seeking holistic health and maybe a new way to look at a few things. Please enjoy this episode. Well, hello. Welcome back. Today I have the beautiful Dawn Agnos from Sustainable Human with me. Welcome, Dawn. Thank you. Welcome to me and to you. I'm so excited to be here. It's so nice to meet you and be in this conversation with you as well. Thank you, Dawn. It's been a bit of toing and froing. So the way this came about is that some time ago I saw a post on social media about a little film, not that little, but a beautiful short film about Lael Stone, another guest I've had on this podcast. And I thought these guys look really cool. Look what they create. And I hunted you guys down and I've now had the great privilege of interviewing both of you, actually. I'm just really excited to connect with you. I'm always thrilled to find people in the world working in the space of sustainability. And I'd love to hear you tell me a little bit about you, where you are, what you do. Tell me about you, Dawn. Well, um, this is always the hardest question to answer. (laughs) Um, I am, I guess the, I'll start with the thing that's most true about me, which is that I'm a highly sensitive person and empath and every experience in the world for me, I meet differently because of that. Um, I kind of had a different type of life, you know, developing my career paths and um, it really started from childhood. Um, and so I, it, it's therefore difficult for me to give you a quick synopsis of who I am and what I've done. He's because I'm 50 years old and I'm telling a lot of, a lot of work around covered. Oh my gosh. I hear you, Dawn. I'm also 50 and I've also done loads of different things. So, but you know, you could tell me as long a story as you'd like. Tell me a little bit about the childhood bit. Cause I know we were just sure. talking a little bit about that. Being a highly sensitive child, what was that like for you? Yeah. um, Well, I really didn't understand that I was different until all the adults around me made that clear all the time. Yeah. Um, And even though they did make that clear all the time, I always found myself humble in that service because I recognized the suffering all around me of the choices and the adult world that were happening, that were creating these these terrible consequences for people. Um, I, well, I, I grew up in Detroit. 
I grew up in a, in a city that was falling apart, you know, politically, economically. And Detroit was in the 70s was ground zero for a total collapse. And, um, and I saw, you know, what women had to do to earn a living back then in the 70s. There weren't many job opportunities. My mother was a young mother. She had me at the age of 18, no family support. And so she was, she became a uh, go-go dancer and she, you know, had an eighth grade education. She left home at 15. Um, you know, uh, she was a child herself when she had me. And then I had my sister a year and a half later. And um, there were situations when I was very young that I saw that I was exposed to great situations of trauma. A brief interlude here to just explain that there are some fairly mature themes that will be touched on and discussed during this podcast. Themes around family violence and childhood neglect and other things such as those. I would just like to give a little bit of a trigger warning for anyone who wants to be a bit more careful around this type of conversation and I'll leave it there just so you know what's coming up. Uh, my mother being beat up by men, and, you know, having their teeth broken out and, you know, just really violent, you know, us being chased down the road, with people trying to kill us. Um, you know, we had, you know, all this happening like before the age of four, you know, so a lot of really... Um, bad choices my mom would make and then we'd wind up in consequential situations and then I would kind of like be thrust into awareness of the world and the adult's reality and this stole my childhood from me because I wasn't really afforded that because I had to think smarter than my mother could think um we had to get ahead of everyone in my family as far as intelligence because nobody was paying attention to the right signals. And so I learned to recognize patterns and I had the gift of knowing already. So I could pick out people that had very bad intentions right away. And my mom saw this ability in me, but she didn't respect it in the early days. Until, of course, I saved her from great disasters and things like that. And then she realized, oh, my gosh, you know, I should have always listened to you because she had no ability to discern the truth for herself without her. And so I became kind of like the mother of the, of the home and the, the person that people could trust for wisdom to come to and like guidance, even when I was a tiny little child. And so it was a little bit unusual in that way. But um, when my mom, when I was like four, my mom tried to commit suicide. And I, I got this crazy intuition that this was happening. And I was in the other room at four years old playing with my little sister, not knowing anything about suicide. But I could feel it in my gut. I could feel what was happening. I could feel her suffering. I could feel why. I could feel everything. All the information was inside my body. And so I got up. And I went into the other room and followed that, that the energy and found that my mother was um, dying on her bed from an overdose. 
and confronted me with that. And so when she confronted me with that, she handed me a stack of cash. And she said, Donnie, um, I want you to take this. And I want you to keep this in secret. And don't show it to anybody. And I want you to use this only for you and your sister. Okay. And I knew what was happening. Even though I know nothing about suicide at that age, I knew exactly what she was intending to do and what wasn't happening. And so in my child psychology, I took this stack of cash and I went straight to the toilet and flushed it down the toilet because I knew whatever my mother had done to get this money was killing her. So that arrested my mother right away. And then I went next door and I told the neighbors what is happening. And they called the police and they had her stomach pumped and the whole thing stopped. At that moment, something for me changed where I realized I'm responsible now. Yeah, right. Else around me can see. Mm. No one can see. No one knows. I'm responsible for everyone yes. around me. And eventually, as catastrophe grew and these situations continued and got worse and more violent and more crazy, I became more and more aware of my responsibility with these kids. Yes, it's, wow, it's heavy responsibility for a young child, isn't it? Very much so. Because you're also still trying to have a human experience, which is failing greatly because you're way beyond the conscious of your peers. You can't even connect with them. They're playing with dogs toys you're playing with imaginary friends who passed away that are your dad's best friends who died so you're having a very different reality <laughs> than most children were age i love that you know who your imaginary friend was i didn't know who mine was well it's, it's an accident it was an accident um my i had had this imaginary friend for a year and a half my mother told me that um Every night I would force her to set a dinner table plate. Whenever we would eat, basically, she was like, I, would, I wouldn't eat unless he, he was eating with us. So whatever, it was totally nuts, but she placated it for a while. And then you know, she was young, too. She never had imaginary friends. She didn't understand this concept. She grew up in total dysfunction. So she wasn't really bored of these things. And so she... Um, she placated it for a while, but after a year and a half, she started, her and my dad started getting very nervous. Like something might be wrong with her. Right. I mean, you know, that happens. People get nervous about their children. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, yeah. And why, you know, that's completely understandable in the construct we're living. And so, um, so what happened was one night, my dad had invited his new best friend over. He had been basically best friends with for about a year and a half, which we didn't realize was a coincidence at the time. But what had happened was he was over there and they were hanging out and he just mentioned finally that when he lost his son, it was hard for him to get spoken about it. And my dad was like, oh my God, you know, I had no idea. And like he was like, yeah, he died of leukemia and it was, you know, it was really hard and haven't really spoken about him since. And he mentioned his name. And when he mentioned his name, my mom's hair went right up on the back of her neck. And she said, oh, my God. She said, uh, my daughter is very psychic. She said, um, do you have a picture of your boy? And he said, yeah. And um, they called me into the room. Well, this was like about the age of three. 
And so when I came in, they pulled the picture out and I said, Donnie, do you, do you know who this is? And I was so excited. I was so happy. I was like, oh, you finally. And they all just freaked out because none of them really believe after life or anything. They were just like, oh my God, that's pretty. And so, um, yeah. And of course, I was none the wiser. I didn't understand. Like you're like, whatever. It's just my friend. Right. Yeah. This is my friend I'm playing with all the time. And my mom would say, my mom, she was getting nervous because of that. Because I could be all day long with this imaginary person and something away and have a blast. And then one day, um, she went to go set the table and I told her, you don't have to do that anymore. And she said, why? And I said, he went to the light. And after that, that was it. He never came back. I best, I had sent him on to the light after he had found the peace. It was time to let him go and let him go back to God. And so I sent him back there in that, in that health as a medium and, but not knowing that, you know, it was just natural for me. Things were natural, like natural you around your bike, you know, for me, it wasn't like, it wasn't afraid of him. I was happy to have a friend and play with him. It was wonderful. Today's episode is brought to you by the Soul Mama Membership. It is a safe space online for mothers, and it is specifically created for women to access a community, a nurturing community that provides gentle accountability and encourages you to walk step-by-step, small choice-by-small choice towards a holistic and healthy lifestyle. It really just allows you to become more relaxed, have more fun, and show up as the best mum and human possible visit www.soulmamahub.com. That's S-O-U-L-M-A-M-A-H-U-B. Nice one, ladies. So interesting. I had an imaginary friend too, Dawn, but mine was different. It was I was much younger and uh, like really young, like two or three, so I can barely remember it. But what I do remember is the feeling of being around him. The other thing was that I, he had a name, but that I couldn't say it out loud. And this was really interesting. It was, he spoke a language to me. So he spoke in tongue to me and I understood, even though I didn't understand the words and I wasn't able to speak them because I didn't speak the language. I understood the language. So when he spoke, it was just this, like, I remember the feeling of it. It was like, it was a foreign language, but I, I understood what he was saying because it was energetic. It was, you know, a stand. Exactly. And so what was so interesting was his name was also a name that you couldn't say because it wasn't in a language that we speak, right? But I knew it. And so I would make up a name. I think I called him, I don't know, I can't remember, but I made up a name for him just to be able to speak about him to my mm-hmm. family because I couldn't actually say the, the sounds that I could hear inside my head, which is so interesting in itself. And then at at a certain point, he just wasn't there anymore. And I remember kind of missing him a bit, but it wasn't like grief. It was just, he was meant to be, and that was a pretty traumatic time of my life. So it's really interesting. I think a really interesting thing that we bring in what we need when we need it. Yes, that's right. I think, I feel that these gifts are natural, um, but because we've been disconnected and conditioned away from a, um, approving of our sensory intelligence, 
we don't have the capacity to transition beyond worlds. And you really need those extrasensory connections plugged in in order. And so that's what's missing. It's a lot of people don't have that. You know, they've been programmed that not to trust their emotions, that their senses are all, you know, for sexual gratification. Um, you know, people are being programmed to exploit themselves at every level, but certainly not to look within or to, you know, be connected to the cosmos and all of its intelligence and communities. I mean, there's so much more than where we are in this construct. Yeah, so that's really more. interesting because I, th I feel like my quite limited understanding of many different Aboriginal, Indigenous, Native American cultures, uh, traditional, original cultures, there is a really deep comprehension of that in life, in day-to-day -day life as an integral and really crucial part of our existence as humans on the planet. And it's one that to a lot, uh, to a large degree, I feel that our very Western culture has lost. And I think that some of us are seeking that out and, and looking for it again. And that, this is so funny because I wanted to talk about inclusion and exclusion and tolerance and intolerance with you. And we're now starting to touch on that in a way that we have included and excluded certain facets of ourselves in our experience. As and uh, I'm going to guess that you're a white American. I'm a white Australian, although I do have, I do have some different history, um, genetically and culturally, in my background, which sometimes gives me a little bit of a different perspective, which is sometimes helpful. But it is not an Indigenous or Aboriginal perspective, but it does allow me a little more sense of the connection that all humans have, and a little more sense of for want of a better word, tolerance than inclusion. The word tolerance is a bit problematic. It was a word that used to be used a lot more. Um, the reason I'm bringing it into this conversation, because it is a word that a lot of people still use. And I, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about what's good about it, what's not good about it, that word. So um, I'd love to hear from you. What do you think is going on when, let's bring this back to like a day-to-day, -day, okay? You go into a social situation, let's say. I'm going to give you a scenario. Let's workshop a okay. scenario. Okay. <laughs> okay. So for me, this might be a school playground. Like think of somewhere where you meet a bunch of people you don't always meet. Okay. So a bunch of random members of a community, anywhere. It could be uh, an event. It could be a work meeting. It could be a school playground. It could be a yoga class. But you can think of your own scenario. Say you walk in and you get a sense, being a sensitive person, sometimes you can instantly get a sense that there are people who are open to connect with you and there are people who are not. And there are some who will even unconsciously potentially deliberately disconnect or exclude you from what they're saying, doing a conversation. I want to know, what, what do you think that's about? Like for me in the school playground, it is sometimes that there are certain people in that playground that I might want to have a chat to or be friendly to, but I get a distinct sense that they're not capable of that in that moment. And, and will feel uncomfortable with me being friendly or connecting with them. What's going on there, do you think? Personally, I've had a, a lifetime of studying that pattern. I was a highly bullied child. And they were really good at bullying, beating me up. I, I, I didn't know how to fight. I remember at one point my mother, you know, 
screaming at me and telling me, you don't learn how to fight back. I'm going to beat you up and you come home next time. Just even harder, you know, because you realize like, you know, you get left behind. My sister would run when she would see these people beating up on So you end up realizing that you really are alone and you have to figure it out. So I studied a long time trying to understand like, what is that, you know? And and after a lifetime of analyzing it and being in lots of different scenarios where it can be analyzed in different ways, I've realized it's a lack of self-validation. And honestly, most of the problems, really all the problems that I've seen in the world are boiled down to that, a lack of self-validation. What does that mean? A lack of self-validation. It means most people are not in touch with their true power, their natural power. Yeah. And they trying to put on a false power. And the false power, it's a lie. It's a mask. But that's why we try to dominate groups. And they try to create groups, in fact. Because a person who has nothing to hide and has nothing to compete with doesn't need a group. They can be everywhere with everyone. They want everyone to succeed. It's only people that group up in these tiny little cosms that want to play out these power play games because they lack self-validation. And so what you see is the bully on the playground, well, clearly he's being bullied by somebody else. Now he's modeling that behavior because he feels he's in touch with how weak he feels or she feels. Let's not forget. Women can be just as bullying as oh, yeah. men. So they're solving a problem. They're solving a problem that they have. They're looking to meet a need. They have a need. That's right. And this, this plays out. No, that's right. May not be conscious. And, and what's really interesting with this is it can play out on a global scale too. So like colonization, for example, or I'll give Australia as an example. There was a fantastic theory that I read years and years and years ago. It's probably really outdated academically now. So I apologize to any academics who are more up on the uh, book reading than I am. But I will say it stuck with me. I studied in the 90s, the early 90s, I studied social cultural history, particularly of settler societies. So where, where the West came and had wars with Indigenous people, essentially, and what was the experience of that? And there was this really interesting theory called Orientalism by a guy called Edward Said, and he talked about the way that when people lack identity, they identify themselves by what they are not, by the other. And it's by othering that they gain their identity. And in Australia, that's particularly key because we're a young culture with, and America with very little inherent identity. We don't have a, a cultural background. Australians and Americans doesn't go back very far. So we struggle to have a cultural identity or a strong sense of self at a cultural level. And so we become more invested in what we are not because that's how we identify who we are. So it's like, well, I'm not them. It's the them thing, you know? <laughs> so that's a little bit playing into this story as well, right? It's like, I'm going to identify who I am by who I am not. And I am not you. You know, it's that sort of, I'm going to exclude you. It's almost like a trap though, because in the energy universe, what you seek is also seeking you. So if you have your eye on something you don't want to be, you're becoming it. Yep. Whatever you, uh, energy flows or attention. That's right. Where attention goes. That's correct. So where you put your concentrated energy is where you transmute matter. Like this is something I just 
Yeah. So if you, you know, concentrate on something, you transmute it, you absorb it. In order to transmute it, you have to absorb it. You have to know it. You can't change something you don't understand from inside of yourself. So therefore, it's all connected that way. So you, you, you're just paying attention to what you don't want to happen, then you're creating more of it. And that's what I didn't realize when I was getting bullied all those years. I was running and I was terrified and I was hiding. But what was happening was I was creating more of it because they felt that energy and they felt powerful in that, in that occupation. And I was giving them license to play out their true desire, which is to feel powerful by playing victim and not knowing how to advocate for myself because I was being victimized at home. I was getting beat up at home. I was not my victimized there. So I didn't know how to advocate for, I wasn't taught how to advocate for myself because I, my mother didn't want me advocating for myself. That would be the worst thing for her. She needed to dominate. My mom was a bully. My mom, I guarantee my mom was a bully at school. Guarantee she was a bully. But she still is. Don't bully They keep trying to fit the hole with everything that they can put in it. And they destroy themselves that way. And not, not everybody recovers from that. But that is what's going on. They feel insignificant. Something happened to them that made them feel not good enough. And not enough period whatever that is and therefore this constant search for what will make them enough and if and it doesn't matter what it is if it's terrorizing someone else and they get their thrills from it they learn an aptitude for that they learn they gain an appetite because we are creatures of habit like if something works for us and fills that gap even if it's not doing a good job we can be angels or monsters depending on how we choose to develop ourselves or, or let ourselves go and let ourselves do base level things that destroy us. Right. So, so as that person, that person that had been a victim, had been bullied, had become the person that fills that hole for other people, what changed? How did you, what do you do now to not be that person? I stand up for myself now. <laughs> It's interesting because I, I have been bullied as of recent uh, by uh, neighbors, in fact, which is, you know, yeah. It's funny because usually now I've been in my power for a very long time. After I became a healer, I really came into my power in a major way. And that light, that energy, that power, natural power broadcasting through me, like just kind of did the work of protecting me in a major way. Um, but at the same time, it did bring more challenging predators around me. Um, and so it's a complicated dichotomy to, to break down really, you know, to, it's an illusion to think like, just cause you get one prawn problem, like another one's not going to appear. Um, sometimes there are multiple things tied together. That's so true because you're talking about, as soon as you started talking about like the the enemy like the nasty stuff I just moved a big chunk of hematite like <laughs> just it's like because I had a funny experience a little while ago where I did have you know some sort of nefarious stuff I had to work out and this really really wise friend of mine said just put two big chunks of hematite on your desk <laughs> so just even when you mentioned it I'm like I'm, I'm, all, just, 
I find that the, the preschools really do help. They really do help ground me and calm me when I get extra nervous. Oh, that's beautiful, bowl of crystal. So yeah, it's the hands. I'm showing just for those listening because this is terrible for radio, right? I'm showing a wooden sculpture of two hands open to receiving, filled with crystals. All the crystals, the fluorite and the rose quartz and the amethyst and the everything, aventurine, tigerite, all the things because. And they keep it close. I don't even understand, honestly. I don't even understand how this stuff works, honestly. But I know that it makes me feel better. And it, it, and does. it energetically helps me matters. because I believe in it. And because friends yeah. have given me these things, these are little tokens of love, these crystals. So they give me a sense that I am worthy and connected. And the worthy yeah. and connected is what gets me through when I can take, because you do keep meeting bullies all through your life. Like it happens. If you are a sensitive person, it will happen. That's right. So, I mean, if you look at our bodies, our bodies are filled with elements of the earth. So we're crystals. Crystals, when you understand the process of formation that they've gone through, you know, hundreds of millions, sometimes billions of years to, to actually build fire and water and like real like refinery, you know, and they have emerged as the phoenix from this process over a very long time with high chemistry and all this when i look at a crystal i see support i see strength i see grounding from the earth that's why i put them on my chest i put them on my you know wear them as necklaces because because especially if i'm going to go out in public you're because sometimes you need that extra grounding or protection or you know it's funny i even make jokes because i'll make these big necklaces that have like big giant stones on them too because sometimes you need extra weight to like be there with but i make this joke like these are like perfect necklaces for women because they're also like deadly weapons. yeah but i also stopped buying crystals because i i felt bad about taking them out of the ground because they take so long to form i also i don't really buy them anymore um because i used to a fair bit and now i feel like they need to stay where they are you know Um, no judgment if you want to buy them i'm not i'm not saying don't buy them if you need them but i'm just saying for me i was like hang on what are we doing here like yeah I totally agree in fact i just had that conversation with chris earlier about how like we're ripping all these just for countertops and marble counter and all it's such vanity when the earth is it. That's I mean, interesting, it's, isn't it? That we both feel yeah. that. Yeah. So I'm no, really, I feel- I, that's funny. And I mean, Dawn and I, it's sort of like we've met before or something, isn't it, Dawn? I mean, it's so <laughs> funny. Like the first email I think I sent to you, you sent back with huge love or like lots of love to you. And I was like, oh, she's my people. Cause I sign off even my most professional emails with big love, you know? Like I'm just sending love all over the world. I find it really hard to write something like yours sincerely or cheers or, you know, because I've got a lot of love to give. And, I can't. Uh, yeah, I can't be uh, insincere with any of my communications. It would hurt me to be that way. No, and I love that about you. And so yeah. when people like us, big, big, warm, open hearts go through the world, yeah. It becomes very interesting negotiating these difficult mm-hmm. things. And that's why I think it's great to talk to you about this, Dawn, because I know for me, it doesn't matter how many times I learn the wisdom of handling 
those moments where I feel excluded. I feel that I am not being tolerated. You know, there's that sense of, I cannot tolerate you. You're too different. You're too sensitive. You're too big. I feel that one sometimes. You're too visible. I often feel that one because I am in a leadership role in my life, becoming a black belt. I'm starting a business that helps a lot of women. I start community groups that grow into the thousands. So I become visible. And that's challenging for someone who feels really sensitive because it brings with it a certain exposure that then makes you, in a way, a bigger target, you know, for yeah. that. So what's really I know interesting? Exactly how you feel. You yeah. know? Yeah. So when we step into our bigness and we, we get into our big girl pants, I call it, and we stand up strong, a large part of the things that I think, a large part of the thinking or feeling or experience that stops us and has stopped me in the past from doing that is the, what will people think? What will people do? How will I be judged? All those fears. And I think they are inherently human because we crave to belong, you know? So if you are at all switched on or tuned in to any kind of sensitivity, you will have those thoughts. You'll have those feelings. It's completely natural and normal. And it doesn't matter how big you get, you know, the owner of Atlassian, Mike Cannon Brooks, one of the these billionaires in Australia talks about imposter syndrome and you know, it's it's actually a sign that you have got big dreams and that you are a highly tuned, intelligent, sensitive person, like we all are. We all have the capability to be, right? And we right. stop ourselves and we stop ourselves with that thinking. And it's natural. Right. No yeah. matter who you are, where you are, it's there. Yeah. And I would argue even some of the most, probably the most powerful people in the world have that even more. And that's why they take so much time to act like they don't have it and so much energy to be powerful, to try and neutralize that same voice, that very same voice that we all have. So what I'm curious about is how can we healthily and wholeheartedly respond to that voice in a way that doesn't put damage on other people? <laughs> like that's what really interests me is how do I, because I still get that, oh, she's not very nice. I don't like her. She, you know. Maybe I should be mean back. And then I'm like, I don't want to be mean back. I'm not a mean person. I don't know what to do. You know, it's like, how do I draw that line and keep my boundary without slipping into behaviors that I don't want to embody? Yeah. It's, it is really important um, question. And it's an interesting thing because um, even though, you know, I have all this like dimensional insight, there's still the human that's yeah. learning, right? Yeah, always. And like I always teach that we are multidimensional beings because we live on different dim planes of truth all yeah. the time. Compressed yeah. as one. Uh, we have a human self. We have a body of living communities. We have yeah. a mind that's programmed and conditioned. We have a soul that is divine and timeless. We have all yeah. these truths happening at the same time, and sometimes they won't. Yeah. Um, only because uh, the dimensional realities we live in aren't integrated. Right. And so once you become integrated, meaning that they all cooperate as one, yeah. then you have a mastery over how you choose to show up over each of those or within each of those. So now you might not have any more PTSD reactions as a human being, 
or you might at least be able to be aware when you do that for you and change it so it doesn't happen again and and there's a better way to handle it with a better tool set next time yeah and so so that's that's how i work with my life you know having gone through a lot of trauma um there's the human aspect that's very um you know that has had to have a lot of healing and a lot of um neurological grounding and things like that I've had to work with for myself even though my soul knows tons of information about things my human aspect is in a learning avatar experience and that has to be appreciated by us humans and I think that you know even though we you know we live both truths or sometimes these more complicated truths we can still choose how we show up in every one of those scenarios. And for me, um, when somebody is trying to kind of, if, so, if someone's challenged, if, I, if someone's challenged by my power, which I think is what we're really trying to ask. Kind of, like, yeah. How can you be in your fullness without it challenging people and causing that disruption? And I've learned that um, by focusing on your own growth journey, other people tend to respect that more than you telling them what to do, but more like them watching you improve your life. So I've been able to blow people away with my life in the past because they have seen how I work and they've been a part of that work, but they have not, I haven't come to them as Dawn the human who is failed and now we like join all of our flaws together like it's it's more like i separate everything and work exactly with what's presenting itself whether it's in me or someone else yeah i always look at only what is important and then integrate it with the whole so it's hard i don't know if i'm answering this in a way that people could understand but but i feel like your power is your personal journey and your and your right your sovereign rights as a timeless being. And that power has been amassed through legacies of experience that you are not even aware of still in this consciousness. And so the idea is to not allow the weaknesses of others to affect you, not allow their insecurities to speak to you unless there's something that you know how to heal them through. Right. So um, compassion and tenderness, like you were saying before, is that the, the only relationship you will have with that is compassionate. Right. And there are times when, yeah, but there are also times, it's not to say there are times when you might have to have a lion's roar. There are times in this world where you have to have that, that lion's roar and you have to let the predator know, hey, I'm not the one. <laughs> Do you, yeah. know why, do you know why I'm smiling from ear to ear when you say that is that I run a membership called the Soul Mama Academy, which is for women who are feeling depleted and looking for that power and self-determination and really coming through motherhood and relearning who they are and bringing in their new identity post-children. Beautiful. And do you know That's what so I call, cool. yeah, right? Everybody says, That's so needed. And I think it is. Yeah. That's why I do it. And guess what I call the program? My signature program is called the Lion Life Roadmap because I believe we need to bring in the lioness. We need to bring in our ability 
to be powerful and collaborative because lions are collaborative extremely. They also have very, um, interestingly, like the male lions and the female lions both care for the young. The male lions and the female lions both hunt. There's a lot of really interesting stuff about lion society that I've discovered since intuitively naming it that. But um, it is a great metaphor for what yeah. we need if we are people who feel deeply to yeah. become coherent, embodied, yeah. powerful people. And powerful doesn't mean well, uh, 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 I'm dominating the world. Powerful That's means in, in your yeah. power. That's totally right. in your power. Like, right. And it's not like proving your power. That's the wrong intention. Like if you're ever trying to prove your power, you've already lost. It's really about being in an embodiment of that truth integrated in your power. It's not like something you're trying to like prove to yourself or the world. It's actually something you feel and you like almost, it radiates out of you. People see it before they even know who you are. And I have this experience all the time I, in the natural world. It's an interesting thing. Like if I go out into the natural world, the way that humans respond to me and animals respond to me, my husband, that was the first thing he saw. He was like, what is wow. going on? <laughs> I love that so much. But they do respond to someone who's in their authentic expression of power, but not just like, I hate to keep using that word power because to people who are still like confused as to what power is, they may assume that that looks away. But in truth, it's really a beingness. It's like, I mean, even a monk, right? A monk is not like, hey, I'm somebody, I'm an ego, check me out, you know? No, a monk is like, I, I am seated in power because I am seated in life. I'm, I'm aware. I am not separate. I am not confronted. I am not fear. I'm in my power. I'm in my truth. I'm in my beingness. Yeah, there's nothing and more powerful so, than that. If you think about people no. like Nelson Mandela yeah. or Gandhi or like the yeah. most, honestly, the most inherently powerful people I can think of in the world are people like that who have experienced great adversity but stayed the course for what they believe right. and for what they believe can benefit the whole of humanity. And they did. You know, yes. they did that in ways that were fundamentally changed the world, not yeah. by I dominating mean, other people. 8,000 years old. Right. And right. yet the story the of Jesus. Yeah. Story and it's power. a great example. It's Even before that, the Old Testament, before yeah. Jesus, yeah. those stories yeah. even still going, even still yeah. alongside Jesus, you know, like you yes. go back and back and back. There are certain human stories, archetypal human stories that affect us all in such deep ways because they speak to, I think, they speak to all those levels of which we are yes. referring. They're multi-dimensional yeah. stories, you know. That's right. And I think I love this, his own people crucified him. Yeah. Only because why? He was seated in his power. Yeah. And they have conditioned yeah. to be missive to power. Yeah, it's compelling. Authoritarian, authoritarian power. Yes. That's where I feel like one of his, the story about Jesus is, it's so profound because yes. it shows so much that's still happening today. Like we, yeah. 3,000 years have operated like it never happened because yeah. we're still in the same patterns. We're grappling with that same paradigm. And because they have this 
inability to self-validate. And so it's so interesting now because we can talk about this in these terms and we can talk about this with people on the other side of the world like you and I. And we can actually shed different light on these stories and different light on the way that we live it, the way that we live this out in our own lives. And I have loved talking to you, Dawn. I'm going to wrap it up because I know we could just talk all day. (laughs) I feel like we could just talk all day. And you are welcome whenever you want to come back on this podcast. Please do, because this is awesome. So awesome. That's so sweet. Thank you so much. Oh, it's a pleasure. And thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom. And I will certainly be putting in the notes of this show where people can find you and find out about the work that you do. We haven't even talked about that. So you do have to come back. And that's (laughs) part two with Dawn Agnos, sustainable human. And uh, (laughs) and, um, I'm going to be launching a channel in a few months. So I'll be. so that'll be perfect timing. I'm going to be watching my, my doing my healing workshops and my work um, with individuals. I used to do it with celebrities, and now I'm going to like kind of I like quit that whole business. No, just try to help people, regular everyday people like you and me who just want to have a great life. Can you and say like, who that? Who is your favorite celebrity to work with? Are you allowed to say? I mean, I won't generally name drop because of the privacy, but. Um, there are definitely some favorites that I had. I'm not a celebrity type of person. I think everybody's the same. Um, I don't see difference. I, I'm no different than the bee. I don't even see that difference. Like for me, it's an energy world. I, I don't live in that world. So for me, I just find everyone interesting, but I will say the way people treat me, if they treat me with honor respect, then they tend to be nicer to be around because they're more allowing for the work to happen more freely. And that's the same goes with everybody, isn't it? Like if we could actually understand that on a human level, my gosh, we're going to do such incredible things in this world when we can kind of get over ourselves. Everything is possible. Yeah. Everything's awesome. Even your awesome. matter universe changes when you understand how to transmute it through all these different ways. Something I've, yeah, I think this channel I'm creating, it was, it's taken a long time to, uh, to get me to, to do it for the same as you mentioned earlier about what it feels like to be stuck and go through all the battles that everyone will put you through, um, of that stuff. But, um, but I have had so much divine intervention. I've decided to um, find my courage and lean in. Yay, Dawn. I'm so, so happy to hear that. That's amazing. I can't wait to see what happens with that. Yeah. It hasn't been an easy decision, but, but I, I know that this is the right thing. I mean, I, it, it's, there's, a, there's a story that would just blow anyone's mind if they understood how it all came to be, even how sustainability really came to be. There's a divine intervention there. So, oh, that was the teaser for sure for our next chat, Dawn. (laughs) I really want to know now. So, tune it next time for the full story. Pretty new. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing story. With all the gifts I have, I'm amazed that it all came to pass in the ways that it did. I had no idea how much benevolence there was into the universe until I had these experiences. Now I just feel loved by the universe in such an incredible way that I can't help yeah. but like work because yeah, I relate. It's all happening and it's all I here relate. for us right now in this time to transmute yeah. this experience. Everything's yeah. here for us right now to go ahead and do the work. I encourage anyone else to this. If you have a heart for something, 
if you have a, a vision, a hope, a dream, a feeling, chase that down. Chase it. No, it's just crime. hundred percent. Totally right. That's what we're doing here, right, Dawn? That's right. That's all we're doing. We're learning, we're growing, and we're pushing that evolution of consciousness to break free from these artificial constructs we've been living in for thousands of years. This is the time. And we, we are going to face a lot of challenges going through it, but we have to face these challenges because we have to see what we've done. Yeah, we got we got to bust some big paradigms. Yeah. A wonderful positive thing, and we just have to learn about it. Yeah, let go of the control of it. It it all organizes itself. There's an intelligence in this in in universe. It all knows what to do. You just have to get out of your ego and get into the path of what your heart is telling you to do, and the rest of it working. Oh, it's an incredible. I taught Chris how to do that. He didn't believe it was possible, but. But it is. It's how I've lived my whole life. And you can have you can have success and never know you can have if you live that way. Like, I didn't know I was gonna meet all these famous people and world leaders and all these people and help them do all this stuff. Like I had no idea. I had no idea. It wasn't even my like I, I was just like, just let me be of service to whoever needs it, you know, like because you have a pure heart, pure intention. And it's so I think. That's that's what we need more and more of on the planet. And so whatever has to happen for people to find their strength and to stand in that truth is really what is being supported in a major way right now by the heavens. So I, th- I think we're very blessed to be alive in this moment. And I think it's important for us to remind ourselves of that, that the privileges, we can actually have these dialogues and change things when just 50 years ago, a woman to speak this way, oh, yeah. forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> so God, let's I've like, loved this so much. <laughs> I have loved connecting with you today. I just feel so joyous to wonderful. hear your story. And, and I feel like I found a new friend and that just warms my Definitely. heart so much. Thank you. I'm excited to, to check out um, all of your other podcasts and to hear your conversations with everyone else. I think and I'm excited to meet others. I really have never met other sensitives in my life. I've always yeah, been the only warrior. Well, lots of it's narcissists. Very, it's very same in a lot of ways. I'm not the only one. That's not fair. But I am certainly, I felt very alone in it growing up. And I have discovered that I'm one of those unusual ones that is like, there's, you know, the, the statistic is something like 20% of the world is an HSP, highly sensitive person. but like. 2% or 5% of that 20% is an HSP who is also an extrovert. That's me. I'm one of the weird sort yeah. of like, yeah, I'm highly sensitive, but I also am an extrovert. So it's very strange. Yeah. It's a very interesting space. I can tell you that. That's yeah. another podcast. It's funny because I have tendencies if I, when I was younger to be an extrovert, but I'm also, as much as I'm an extrovert, I'm also very private and introvert. So because you need that healing time, that reflection time and processing. So I find myself 50-50 split on that. But now as I age and I get older and I have more focus on the, like the deeper, more important work I'm trying to achieve, yeah. I am much more introverted because yeah. I'm noticing that's required in this process. I can feel that too, actually. 
yeah, I'm less yeah. out there finding the social as well. Like I can do it maybe yeah. once a week where it used to be like yeah. every day. Yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah. Um, I found myself well, like not having any friends anymore. So like basically, you know, you do all your work and then you realize like, oh, all the people around me were narcissists. <laughs> They're just using me setting me up. So, so, and then my best friends kind of like passed away. And so now I just, I, you know, it's funny. It's like, I was just saying, like, as I was, you know, speaking to the university the other day, I was like, you know, I was like, I think I'm okay with that now. You know, I understand that this is actually a, a, a gift that you're offering me to not have those distractions and the disappointments and those things that can take me away from really helping you yeah, yeah. and um, my productive I was able to shift it because at first it used to hurt me and what's wrong with me why does anybody be my friends in forever you know I'm like where are my people <laughs> amazing friends but at the same time mm. I I think that um when you've come here to do something really really like to take it to that next level yeah you really just can't do that that way you can't have a social life and all this stuff while you also take it to the next level like it just doesn't like if you're they're doing it like the world does it you can take it to the next level of course but if you're trying to get us out of this chasm and like okay. design something else that could be somehow more holistic and better and integrated and develop language that doesn't already exist around energy and the whole it's complicated it's not that that's easy right. oh that's so true oh my god <laughs> There's a lot, there's a lot, you know, like peace and how we can achieve it. And like, you know, like just spend a lot of my time just trying to understand like, what is the problem? What it's can just we little do? things, world peace, just a yeah. small thing. Yeah. It's just, just a little, little, little blip that no we can't. Like it's stupid. Well, I genuinely believe that the, the peace of the world relies on moments like this. It relies on moments of connection and honesty and truth and, you know, feeling through the heart and really doing the work and doing the service, being of service to each other. And these bigger stories, I sound like the biggest hippie in the world right now, but I actually believe <laughs> that to be true. And Donna, I'm going to have to wrap it up because I've actually got a okay. meeting that I'm delaying while I talk to you because I just honestly could just keep talking to you all day. It's so okay. beautiful. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. It's such a pleasure. And I'm going to keep in close touch with you now. Okay. Sounds good. We'll do this again. Thank Take care. You. Thank you. This podcast is produced independently and made just for you. So if you have enjoyed it, please do leave me a review and you can put in the review a request for a topic or even a nomination for a particular guest if you would like me to interview someone in particular. Thank you so much for your support. If you really love it, uh, you can also share it and subscribe to it and follow it. See you soon.